Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Beginners to stage, beginners to stage. Hello everyone and welcome to this Backstage at Cry Havoc episode. Today we are talking about editing the show. Now editing is a topic we've covered quite a lot in specials and behind the scenes things at Rusty Quill so we thought we'd get specific with this one maybe take an angle that we haven't done before which is to talk about perspective and joining me to demystify this magic because I actually know very little about it are Katie Seaton and Kathy Ranella. Please, can you introduce yourselves with your pronouns and let us know what you do in relation to Rusty Quill and Cry Havoc. And we're going to go reverse alphabetically because that's how I'm feeling today. So Katie, please, can you go first? Hello, my pronouns are she, her, and on Cry Havoc, I am the sound designer. And hello, I am Kathy. My pronouns are she, her as well. And I am master at Rusty Quill. And I do the mastering, pre-mastering and mastering, actually, in this case, for uh, Cry Havoc. Hooray. Do you want to explain a little bit what like pre-master and master is? Because I'm not sure I'm completely clear, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, it's what I usually do for... Mastering is I review the full mix after vocal cut, sound effects, and music have all been put together and clean it up, fine tune it, and get it ready for a release. But in the case of Cry Havoc, because we have the wonderful Sam Jones who is composing all of the music throughout the series, we actually have Katie doing the full sound effects mix and then sending it to me which then I do a pre-master, which is I kind of fine-tune everything before music, and then we send that mix off to Sam. Sam then puts the scoring in, and then it comes back to me, and then I do fine-tuning after that. So on Cry Havoc, my job is a little twofold right now, so mm. I apologize ahead of time if I get really confused between all the episodes because usually I'll be <laughs> working on like three different episodes all at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. 
I guess relevant to this topic that we're talking about, I am host, but also I do vocal cuts for Cry Havoc. So I guess that that might come up a bit. So it's relevant that I mention that as well. But to start us off on this topic, now then, what is perspective? What do I mean when I say we're going to do an episode on the topic perspective? Perspective. <laughs> it's losing all meaning. I've said the word too many times. Oh, we're losing hours already. <laughs> uh, I feel like I should take the wrong. It is completely my fault that we're doing this topic because it was my idea to focus on this. Yeah, it was. It's a great idea. Yes, definitely. The reason I suggested this as a specific topic is because this is a large cast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with multiple characters and it's not clear I mean I don't want to do too much about spoilers but I think it's okay to say that it's not clear whose sympathies we should be with mm. you know I find that my sympathies shift as we move through almost each episode certainly throughout the arc of the whole season yeah we're never sure whose side we're on really it becomes a little bit clearer as it goes on but it, it's more you know, it's more of an ensemble piece. We have a lot of characters to share our focus with. Yeah, there yeah. are a lot of people who could be our protagonists. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one part of the definition of perspective is actually that thing, like where our sympathies lie and whose feelings we journey with as we go through it. But it's really tied up with the other side of perspective, which is the physical side. So that is whose ears we are hearing through or whose mind we are looking through. And so what we do in post-production in this company because we don't tend to record on location or block it out as we record we tend to record mono mics separately and then do all the work in post-production to bring it to life and make it seem real so what we're doing in our post-production is we are making these decisions along with Amani the director about who we're hearing through you know where we are looking from and that is very much tied up with the psychology of where our sympathies lie at that point and what we want the audience to be visualising. And I'll go further to say that in audio drama, what we've got is kind of a combination of colourful, cinematic, high impact kind of sound and the intimacy of sort of reading a book. The listener's imagination is very much in the driving seat. And so how we manipulate the listener's imagination of what the listener sees is a very big determiner of how people hear things. Mm. And so that's why perspective is really important, you know, and something you need to pay a lot of attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's difficult when everybody has their own way of imagining a scene and all we can give to the listener are audio cue marks or audio signifiers as to what's going on and what's happening because we don't have the luxury of camera angles changing where you can obviously see like, okay, we're going to change to pan to this area so we can see this little thing happening in the background. We can zoom in and focus on this thing happening while other people are talking in the foreground to imply things. We don't have that advantage, so we have to be very careful about how we're crafting those scenes to achieve the things that Katie's been talking about. Yeah. So I'm picturing that as like, whose head are we in? Whose ears are we hearing through? Whose eyes are we seeing through? Katie, were you about to continue off what Cathy was saying there? Yeah, I was going to agree with Cathy and say, yeah, the difficulty lies in conveying detail and clarity. And that is the challenge. And that is where the camera has an advantage. But to offset that in audio drama, what we can do is imaginative immersion because we're not limited by what we can portray in a shot. And I think sound necessarily, like for evolutionary reasons, 
I, I think our ears stay open at all times. Like we don't have ear lids, to quote my friend Leslie in her book. Sure. And the reason for that is obviously we need to be alert to danger. Like in the olden days, we need to be alert to danger and our ears provide that um, information. And I think also like hearing is the first sense we get in the womb as well so it's the first thing we notice about the world is what we hear of our I didn't know that. yeah of our mother's body and beyond so hearing is like a really kind of like it's a very psychologically deep sense mm. and so if you're kind of depriving people of what they can see so they can't confirm what they're seeing you're tapping into that sort of deeper more like early experience or whatever and so that in itself can be an advantage so yeah, you have to be careful about like not putting in too much detail, which gets confusing. But also like there are things you can do in audio drama that you can't do in film for that reason. I love this. We're getting deeper than I thought we were going to. This is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you achieve that feeling of, right, we are with this person and I want this person to notice that thing that's happened over the other side of the room? Like, How do you go about doing that? I think the ear really notices change and interruption. And so I think often if you've got continuous state of one kind of hearing and then something alters, like maybe suddenly something comes from a different direction or um, that you do a very sharp change of atmosphere so it's obvious you're in a different place. I, I think as a general rule, having sustained sounds and then interrupting them or changing them is something which makes the ear prick up yeah, I think it comes from a lot of different directions. So you can go all the way back to the script, for example. Perspective is created by, as we've mentioned, figuring out which character we're following. And then having the stage directions of what's happening in the scene, what we hear off camera, what the character that we are following is reacting to. And then what action is happening around that character? So who's coming into the scene? Who's leaving the scene? How we get from one location to the next? And that can get really tricky in an audio-only medium because you need to make sure you're leaving cues to the listener within the script for how we get from like one place to another. Can I offer an example? Or sure. are you No, go for it. So episode five has just come out and the scenes that are sticking out to me that might be difficult to place perspective. It's when Charmian is walking through the streets and then ends up in the furniture shop. Mm-hmm. To be clear, I never my editing doesn't involve the perspective, right? That's this is what you two do. To me, I would think that would be quite difficult to convey. Like you don't want that to be too busy, but you want to convey the movement of Charmian through the street and and also there are a lot of people in that shop scene as well. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we're still with whoever or maybe swap perspective yeah for effect i don't know is that a good example for you yeah that works yeah yeah that one is a challenge because within the scene if we were watching this on a stage of having the busy street got charmian who talks with at least three different vendors and a pickpocket and someone driving by with a horse and like two other things all happening in the same scene and Maybe if we had a full stage, you could have people moving throughout, but within the confines of our ears, we had to figure out, okay, what's the best way to place everyone to create the feeling of the full stage or the full scene when we are limited to a specific panning range? How do we put everybody in there without sounding like it's really overcrowded or everybody's just standing around waiting to say their lines, which is a big big challenge when it comes to the number of voices that we have in this series in general. There's just so many characters to try and 
weave through, which Katie, you do a great job of it. <laughs> There's a lot of people in here to juggle, yeah. not going to lie. I mean, this is where the design element of sound design starts to come in, because obviously, funny enough, that scene that we're talking about, the script and the director's notes were asking for Charmin in the middle and the road on this side and the shops on that side. And as I was designing, it became really clear that wasn't going to work out because it was going to be very like left heavy and no one was really going to be able to visualise. So you have to use a little bit of artistic license and say, look, we need the pickpocket to be coming from the right so that the shopkeeper can come from the left. And this horse and cart needs to go past at this moment, which seems random, but it's actually kind of just generating a little bit of that kind of panoramic stereo feel to make sure that the audience understand that they're in this big, busy space. And there's, you know, there's quite a lot of kind of careful placement in this work in order to kind of build the cues one by one at a rate that the brain can take them in and build that picture. Going back to what Laurie was saying about walking into the shop, funny enough, this is coming out just after this episode, but actually I've just finished designing this episode. As it said, yeah, that was really fortuitous, actually. It was, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we get more into sort of like all the fiddly bits of working in digital audio now, which is wonderful that we got. Like, I would not want to do this like with traditional analog gear. But you then have to use what is automation, basically. You can automate different parameters in the audio to try and generate that sense of travel so like in that case as Charmin walks into the shop you've got sort of people going past her ears left and right to sort of indicate the travel because we're with her we can't kind of pan her own footsteps to show that she's moving in this direction or that direction and then as she moves into the shop so one parameter will be like the background sound gets a little bit more muffled so slightly quieter and some of those high frequencies come off because they would be blocked or they'd like the high frequencies don't travel as far you know so and then we'd introduce a reverb of the shop bit by bit as she travels so that we can tell from how she's speaking as she walks that she's entering into a different space and you know we do the same with the shopkeeper the padding of the shopkeeper herself, she walks off to the left to show that she's moving in that space and to help to kind of give a picture of the space. So you're kind of, you're painting the space really with, you know, the sounds and the sort of adaptation of the sound that you have available to you. Yeah. And sometimes you have to think about how am I going to do that? What can I put in there? Which is going to show that, you know, it might not actually be in the script. It might not be something the writer really thought about. Mm. But if they want you to get the audience visualising this thing, you have to think, okay, well, like, what, like, semiotic convention from sound or, like, what kind of broad camera angle type sound can mm. I put sorry, in? What, what yeah. did you just say? Semiotic convention from sound? <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, sorry, that was you just... You didn't expect to get a very <laughs> academic editing talk. No, I'm, I'm delighted. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I was like reading, I was like rereading all the stuff that I wrote last year in preparation for this, and now my head's full of it, and I'm just dumping it on you. <laughs> no, this is great. I'm genuinely, I'm like, secretly, this episode is me just like getting an editing lesson, and I'm really happy about that. <laughs> I'm sure we talked about this in the C's one, actually, but like the, the example I think we gave then was um, like, here a seagull, you buy the sea. So it's like signposting. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then it doesn't even stop at getting into the, the shop because as soon as Katie has gotten Charmin into the shop, we followed that character in. Now we have to figure out where Charmian ends up to make room for the two guards that will come in right. behind Charmian and then Quintus coming in as well as yeah. where the shop keeps going to both go and talk to Charmian and then wander off somewhere to do busy work and then come back. It's like, it's so totally. much. It's so busy. <laughs> I remember editing that vocal cut and like 
because the things that I'm thinking about when I'm editing are like just timing of Mm -hmm. like the dialogue and things like that and especially with because I think that we're in that shop for a couple of scenes and especially in the later scene where all the business happens yeah. I was like there's no point in me timing this at all because it's all going to depend on the soundscaping because there's yeah. going to be so much business over it you're going to need to move it so I was like I'm just gonna put them in there relatively tidily and move on <laughs> but the dialogue editing will still give me clues like because I know it's I know the directors approve what you've done so like the, yeah. how you've chosen to pace it and stuff will give me clues about how long it takes to get to this place and you know like how how somebody's feeling about being in this place and all these kinds of bits of information which I also need in order to like build on that to generate the mood of the place going back to the shop listeners um if you have not yet listened to episode five i have not yet finished figuring this out (laughs) so you can go and pay attention to what happens currently um I pit have two doors in my shop because it's the only way I could figure out how to do it. And it might end up a two-door shop. I don't know yet. Um, I, I need to go back in and work out if there's another padding solution I can think of. As in two, two entrances from the street, you mean? Yeah, because like murder chases the soldiers out one way and then Quintus comes in the other way at the moment. And otherwise, they just all like walk into each other. I don't know. Um, so yeah, this is work in progress. So see if you can figure out what we decided in the end. Because <laughs> I can't tell you what it is right now. Shrouding your <laughs> Shop. I love it. It is trading a shop. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I bring in Quintus sooner. I don't know. We'll see what happens. This is one. excellent. The timing of recording this is fantastic. <laughs> another thing I was going to say is because this specifically is a comedy, um, that is another layer of perspective that we're considering is that what sounds funniest, and perspective choices often um, have a big impact on that as well. And the example that I'm thinking of at the moment is from episode three. Actually, there are two examples in episode three. Like one is when spoilers, obviously, I'm assuming you've listened to it, when Lepidus jumps off the ship. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> what a moment. We considered doing this two ways. One was Lepidus jumps, and if you've heard his scream, it's absolutely hilarious. and one that was suggested by Amani was like we just fade it out so we don't and then I think it gets cut off by the splash but what was in the script was actually like leftist scream finishes then there's a pause then there's a splash and that turned out to be much funnier so that's what I ended up doing in the end oh I haven't heard it yet (laughs) oh it's good you should should listen it's very funny yeah the other one is right at the very end of the episode when Mark goes in to rescue Lepidus and again in the script it was written like we would be standing by the side of the harbour and we would watch Mark go and we'd sort of hear his footsteps go off into the distance and we'd hear people commenting on it and we'd hear like in semi-distance what's going on. Um, I didn't read the script because I'm a bad, <laughs> bad, naughty sound designer. I just, so I stayed with Mark and I ran with him. I had like the passers-by's comments actually travel past his ears so you knew he was running. And then I had him jump into the harbour and like actually we heard the emotion of the water so everything got muffled and we heard the underwater sounds. Um, the main reason I wanted to do this because I really wanted to have a goose swim past him once he was going back because it was just I found the most hilarious goose and I really wanted it to be the star. Of. <laughs> oh, good because I did hear that goose. I'm like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> right. he's, a, he's such a funny goose. I love just wanted So we actually have this kind of moment where he's underwater and like the the crowd watching are sort of you hear them through the water you know and then he swims back and we're we're very close to Marx's which I think is how Amani wanted it as well actually oh so this is what ended up staying is it yeah oh great so yeah Amani and I decided to, to slightly differ from what this writer had envisaged there and I think it was funnier for that because the sound of Cleopatra up on the key you know like slightly distant 
and the people talking about it, all from the point of view, like with leopards right next to our ears, just go, yeah, yeah. It was just, it was just funnier. Um, And perspective, for some reason, made that a lot more kind of comic. Mm -hmm. Well, not a lot more, but I think a little bit more comic. It would have played so much differently if you had to watch all of it from the dock, because just Lepidus's like comedic babbling that was happening out on yeah. the sea. Andy's comedic babbling has come up a lot in a lot of these episodes because oh, really? it's fantastic. He does the best comedic babbling. <laughs> oh, in all hail. It's heartbreaking to like cut any of it, but you have to at a point. But, but being out in the sea, being rescued, watching it from the dock, it would have killed some of that energy because it wouldn't have been as clear. Mm. It would have been muffled a little more because of distance. And it would have been covered up by the sounds of mark swimming you know dragging lepidus back to the Mm. dock of the motion through the water all of that so while we would have heard it we wouldn't have heard it as intimately so it was it was really smart to have dived dived dove into the water i never know what that past participant is is it dove i don't know (laughs) jumped into the water i jumped in the water (laughs) that's such a great example because yeah that i mean when i was editing the vocals on that like that hadn't occurred to me really who we were going to stay with and that's such a clear difference there of like being on the dock watching it and then yeah the immediacy of being with Mark and being in the middle of it Ooh, this is very interesting yeah I'm quite a big first person person I like to do things in the first person quite a lot so that's always where I go first I like the vulnerability of it and I, I, I like how you can sort of make things sound fun, funnier or more vulnerable or, or more shocking by kind of having them kind of hit you in the face like you're actually seeing them, you know. It's more immediate, I guess, yeah. isn't it? You experience it as the listener. Yeah. I mean, when we did the research, we kind of found that that kind of immersion as though you're in the first person does seem to generate more visualisation regardless of the sounds that yeah. you're hearing. I will say that that's probably where Katie gets really frustrated with me with the, the perspective thing because usually when it gets to mastering I tend to sometimes that first perspective means that like things get kind of squished down a little bit or the panning gets squished down a little bit or in the middle and I will want to like kind of I think this happened like maybe episode one or two like move everybody out a little bit to make room for the listener Hmm. my ears are very much tuned to like having a space at the table so I sometimes will go back to Katie and be like we need to make a hole because sometimes it's just a weird layout situation of with the number of people that we have we have to figure out where the listener can live in the space as they are falling around a character and with the number of people that we have, it's always like a really big challenge to figure out where that comfortable spot is. It's, it's a weird space to deal with putting everybody in that audio space and getting them to fit. So if you've got a big group scene where there are like, I don't know, maybe five or six of the main characters in one scene, Hmm. how do you go about deciding where the audience is like whose perspective we're looking at it from if we're in someone's head or if they're just standing as an audience member in the corner watching it all yeah sometimes it's clear because we know whose um, sympathies are, are we're but i seem to not be able to talk about sympathies without getting the grammar wrong today <laughs> we know 
where our sympathies lie. There we go. Done it. Yeah. So sometimes that's really clear cut. Usually when we're with Charmian, we're on her side, for example. Sometimes it's not at all clear cut. There are some scenes in Rome where pretty much everyone has their agenda and none of them are as good as they ought to be anyway. <laughs> you know, it's particularly when you've got the triumvirate. Yeah. So in that case, Amani has gone through and decided who she wants to be with. Ah occasionally when it's come to sound design yeah and this has happened like twice so far in five episodes well the three episodes that I've done didn't do the first two and I sort of put it in there and I thought well I mean I could see that we want the audience to be sort of experiencing it through these pers- this person's eyes but that does also mean that the sound is wonky mm. for example like like a really bog standard sort of um, boring technical thing that it's just uncomfortable to listen to audio for a prolonged mm-hmm. amount of time you've got more going on one side than the other it just it just feels mm-hmm. uncomfortable uh, just to clarify just in case someone's listening and they're not sure what you mean when you say that because i don't know have we used the word panning very much yet so like <laughs> if you're talking about someone being on one side or another you can make it so someone comes through like if you're wearing headphones through the left headphone more than the right headphone is my very very yeah. basic yeah. rough understanding of absolutely, it absolutely yeah you, you wait the sound so it's a bit louder one side than the other yeah i'm sure j- everyone knows that but just in case there was someone thinking i'm not really sure what you mean there. yeah i mean it, it is mostly done through panning i think but it's also done through other parameters as well mm. so if you've got somebody going through the dead center and we're supposed to be hearing with them then you would also maybe make some of the characters a little stand a tiny bit further away using equalization and like changing how much of the reverb is on their voice and making them a bit quieter potentially yeah but it is mostly the panning that would determine that but yeah sometimes when you've got six people in a scene and um, you know the director said okay i want it to be from this person's point of view I've still had to put them slightly to the left or slightly to the right just to balance it out. Yeah, so there can be boring reasons to slightly dilute that effect, I suppose. I mean, that sounds to me like quite an interesting balance to strike there. Like, we want to make clear we're with this person, but also if this person is at, for reasons unknown, the extreme left of a room, we don't want (laughs) everything else to be happening on the right because that's just going to sound weird. Right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds like quite a challenge, actually, to balance that. Is it a case of trial and error? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Sometimes you have to hear it. Yeah. And sometimes you think so, you hear something in your head and you think it's going to be good, then you hear it and you think, yeah. ooh, nah, no. that's confusing. <laughs> sometimes it comes down to the tone of the voices that you've got in the scene. If you have all of the lower voices on one side of the space versus the other, it can feel off balance just by nature of lower voices feel heavier or they feel lower in like as terms of height compared to to higher voices so our ears do that little weird misrepresentation when they hear that change in in tone and it can lead to that off balance feeling we try to use that effect to trick the ear in perspective a lot bouncing off that a little Mm -hmm. bit like katie's used this effect very effectively a few times in the uh scene in the senate house we have various voices from the senators all in the space and their voices have been EQ'd and shifted slightly so that they, they sound like they're at a distance. They sound like they're stacked around the room as opposed to like being right next to you on the left or the right. And some of that's been done with EQ changing a little bit of the high end or the low end accordingly to change the feel of that voice. Some with panning rotation 
to kind of stop the voice from sounding like it's right in front of you, but kind of like muffles it a little bit by being off face slightly so that it sounds... You mean face rotation? Yeah, face, yeah. sorry. That, that's, I said yeah. that wrong. Yeah, face rotation. <laughs> I'm looking so sadly at the length of time that we've been recording because we're going to have to wrap this up and I just want to keep talking about it because... <laughs> Maybe I'm biased, but I'm finding this really, really interesting. And it is just, I'm learning a lot and I want to learn about this. One of my questions was, why is perspective important? And we have just been talking about that the whole time, really. It's for clarity and making the space feel real, I guess, making it. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, storytelling, mm-hmm. perspective is storytelling. Yeah. yeah. You need all those cues to get the story across. Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the story. It's the purity oh. of the story. <laughs> what a bunch of lovies we said right now. <laughs> I know, I love it. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for joining me and teaching me. I'm so sad that we have to wrap this up right now. Maybe uh, maybe we can get you back for another another chat, a part two perspective take two i don't know something like that (laughs) yeah that's it so audience thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed i hope you continue to enjoy the series and i'm going to say goodbye and i'll be back next week and katie and kathy would you like to say goodbye as well yes Yes. goodbye Backstage at Cry Havoc is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike 4.0 international license. It is directed by Armani Zardo, produced by Laurie Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner. This episode was edited by Laurie Ann Davis and Catherine Vanella. Thanks for listening. <laughs>